Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Morning. Good to see you. Sorry for the few that didn't get uh, half that communion. We'll have more next time. All right. So big apologies. Anyway, well, good morning. I'm going to just pray for us, and then we'll, we'll dive into this new series. So, Lord God, thank you so much that we get a time to not only gather together and praise you, but God, we get to hear from your word. And Lord, we just pray that your word would penetrate our heart and our mind. God, unravel maybe some of familiarity that we have with you and your gospel and refresh our minds, refresh our hearts. God, we came to hear from you. Holy Spirit, we ask you, God, to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, opening question for this series, how many of y'all like superhero movies? Raise your hand. All right, let's get some out. Who's your favorite superheroes? Iron Man, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, nice, Iron Man, there we go, Green Lantern, can I, Patrick Mahomes, there we go, superhero, there we go, nice, 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 Green Lantern, anybody, no, okay, sorry, Ryan Reynolds, okay, praise God, Um, well, uh, very popular, obviously, in my generation and, and and beyond, uh, superhero movies have kind of captured us. And it's interesting, though, if you look at origin stories, so maybe not just the just all superhero movies, but origin stories. All origin stories have the exact same structure of every movie. And it's this. Part one, average Joe that pretty much anybody can kind of resonate with gets superpowers. Okay? Part one. Part two, latter half, second half, superhero with those powers defeats the bad guy. Same every time. Right in the middle, there's the exact same thing every time. And it's called the training montage. Right? Training montage. And usually it's two to four minutes where it's high impact. They're making tons of mistakes super fast. They jam you through his training or their training, her training, whatever superhero, and usually it's about three and a half, four minutes max, that training montage from the time they get their powers, fast training montage to now he's ready to go defeat the bad guys. It's interesting. That training montage is everything, right? It's like, why do they make it just two minutes? Because it's so boring, right? When you think about it, it's like, you know, Spider-Man when he gets his web, you know? He probably went home and just practiced it. Like the whole movie, the whole, if you didn't have the training montage, the whole movie would just be him practicing and making mistakes for hours and hours and hours. They have to make it quick because everybody knows training is boring. We got to get back to the action, right? And sometimes we feel... Like maybe even on our own storyline, 
Like maybe you're kind of this just average Joe and then God gets a hold of you and gives you his Holy Spirit. But then we have this kind of idea that, that, that we're now ready to kind of go defeat the bad guys. We're just waiting for the opportunity. But training is everything. Your little training montage is a lifetime of Jesus getting a hold of your heart and training in you who he is value system of his kingdom so it can work through us and we can bring heaven to earth. Amen? Uh, who likes going to the gym? Obviously, me. No. Uh, no, I used to. I got CrossFit accidents in my joints, so I, it's hard to work out. But anyway, um, yeah. Nobody likes going to the gym, especially leg day, right? It's like, you know that feeling, that little whisper in your soul that's just like, no, you can just stay home. Like, just, it'd be so much easier. It's cold out there. You know, you have to get all your stuff. Then you have to get in your cold car. Then you have to kind of go. And then you've got, like, all these. And what, one thing I've found, the older I get, my inner coach gets worse, gets weaker, gets like, well, yeah, he's giving me opinions, and I'm not really listening, right? The gym is so boring, but it's everything. Ask any high-level athlete, training's everything. Without the training, our hero's just a person with a bunch of cool powers he doesn't know how to harness. And without the training, the world isn't saved and the bad guys aren't thwarted. And you don't really have a story. So without the training, the hero gets squashed. Story over. <laughs> but Jesus had a vision for his church that's similar to that of superhero movies. Normal people... Empowered by God, charged to go save the world. Matthew 16, Jesus said this. He says, I tell you that you are Peter. This is kind of in the context of Jesus has broken away with his disciples, and he kind of peppers them with some questions. Man, who do people say that I am? The disciples give kind of a slew of answers. And then Peter steps up, and he's like, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Jesus responds with this. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Man, in this sentence, Jesus just unloaded to his disciples his vision for his church. See, he uses the word church. A lot of times in our mind, we think building, right? We think this thing when we think church. That's not what Jesus used as when he communicated about his church. He uses this word called ecclesia. Ecclesia would have been very known to the disciples at the time because the ecclesia was actually a group of people in the Roman city-state that were called out from the people in order to rule over the city-state. That was the ecclesia. It was common people drawn out from the crowd in order to rule over the city-state. Jesus says, I'm making my ecclesia, and my ecclesia, the gates of hell, will not conquer it. It's people called out to rule and reign with God. That's what Jesus' ecclesia is. Similar to that in Genesis 1, God gives... People, dominion, and rule to rule and reign with him. And now here comes Jesus. 
And through what he's doing, he's giving, he knows he's going to give his Holy Spirit. And that same ecclesia, the same dream in God's heart from the very beginning can now be made possible because now his people can be made right. So he's restating the same command. You're called out to rule and reign with me. So here's a question. When was the last time you saw a gate chasing someone down the street? Never, right? Because gates are defensive. They don't attack. They're only for defense, not offense. So what's Jesus saying? His church will be on offense against the gates of hell. That's his church. The church will be so powerful it will completely overpower any defense and every defense the enemy has. Storm the gates, set people free, see people who have been in bondage in the kingdom of darkness, restoring them to see them image bearers made in the image of God, restoring back to their original design and purpose. That is Jesus' vision for the church. It's on offense. Gates can't attack anybody. Could it be that this is the way Jesus maybe is measuring the success of his church? Is it on offense? Is it kicking down the gates of hell? And maybe the problem that we have is so many Christians living lives on defense. Living lives on defense. Getting the crap beat out of you by the pain of life. The church can only be as on offense as its members are. And many of us might be living on defense. Just trying to survive. You got depression, anxiety, got divorce, bitterness, selfishness, addiction. And many Christians have this flawed view, I believe, that the earth is supposed to get worse. And that it gets worse, the worse it gets, the faster Jesus comes back. The worse it gets, it's masochistic theology. (laughs) Right? Is it any wonder the world isn't flocking to Jesus when Christians' lives look like they're on the defense, just like everyone else? Don't confuse a love for Jesus' return with simply being overwhelmed with the pain of life. Jesus will return for a victorious church. Facts. Jesus will return for a victorious church. And hero-level living requires training. Hero-level living requires training. Why does this matter? We're created by God to rule with Him over His creation. And we've got to be trained to live life God's way. And this whole series is to help us live a victorious life. We're going to talk about seven heroic missions between now and Easter. Seven heroic missions that God gives his people, and we're going to look at each one of them. Um, I remember uh, I grew up in Colorado, and one of the, uh, one of the popular sports that uh, was there when I was young was lacrosse. It's kind of swept all over the country, but uh, at the time, it was just kind of East Coast and Colorado, and so uh, I remember wanting to learn lacrosse. A couple of my buddies had played lacrosse, and that looked really interesting to me, and uh, so I remember picking up a stick, and I picked up a stick maybe about three weeks before I went to my first practice, and uh, you went to, I went to my first practice, and the coach saw my ability, and uh, he didn't actually let me practice with the team. Uh, real close to the field, there was this big wall. And instead of practicing with the rest of the team, me and another buddy uh, who were brand new, 
We didn't even get to practice with the team. The coach was like, hit the wall. Hit the wall. And for practice, after practice, after practice, it's like, am I even on the team? I don't even practice with the team. But all coach tells me to do is go hit the wall. And it was just, just hitting the wall, hitting the wall, hitting the wall, day in, day out, day in, day out, fourth string. But after a while, that day in, day out practice gets to where you can almost do it in your sleep. And when you can do it in your sleep, that's starter material. God wants you in the same way, trained up in the ways of the kingdom, so that it becomes almost a response, a reaction, a reaction of kingdom living. Because why? Because you've practiced, right? Walking in step with God's spirit, exemplifying who God is to others, living a victorious life requires training. And the goal is growth and maturity. Philippians 3, 2, Paul says this, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Now, there's something going on in Paul's mind here. He says, the reason why I want to know what is on God's mind when he made me is I want to discover the reason why God made me. I want to discover the purpose for which he made me. Jesus had a reason on his mind why he took hold of Paul, and there's a reason on his mind when he took a hold of you. Is it just so that you can be saved? Yes, and to be a son and daughter of his kingdom in this generation, to push back the forces of hell, to rescue people out of the kingdom of darkness, see Jesus make their heart whole and unfragmented that the world and our own sinful brokenness does. Jesus as Savior gets you into heaven. Jesus as Lord gets heaven into you. Jesus as Savior, Jesus as Lord. We can't pick and choose where we want Jesus to be. We can say, hey, we want him to be our Savior, but we don't really want him to be Lord because we like being Lord of our own life. No, 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 that's not, that's not the gospel. The gospel is because of our brokenness, we surrender our life to this living God, and in its place, he puts his life in us so that our old life stays dead on the altar. That's why it requires training. The goal isn't getting saved and living a moral life. The goal is growth and maturity in the heart of God, learning how to rule and reign with him like he intended from the beginning. God wants us to grow up and mature fellowship with him on a level of maturity because God wants to share his life with us. God wants to share his life, his abundant, eternal life with you. But it's very easy for us to kind of get distracted with the trivial. That's human nature. Human nature, we get distracted with the trivial all the time. I mean, just think back on your last week. What caught, up, what caught you up in the trivial versus the more important things? God has infinite, abundant life. He offers his life to you every morning. Every morning is mercies new every day. The one who created everything that you see eagerly desires to give his life to you every morning. Wow. He wants to share it with you. God doesn't want us to just cross the line. He wants us to grow up, wants us to mature. And in that, it requires training. 
Did you know pain produces growth? Ah, yeah, we want to run from pain. Everything in our culture is training us to run from any level of discomfort. Block it out, cancel it, move on. Paul says this in Romans 8. He says, now, if we are his children, then we are his heirs, and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. What's Paul saying there? Man, this, this is about entering into the life of God. And in that, it's also sharing in his sufferings. Jesus said, man, the world's going to persecute me, it's going to persecute you. The world's not going to like my message because I'm confronting their pride and rebellion with a two-by-four on their face. They're not going to like that very much. And if you are a carrier of this gospel, it's going to do the same thing. So he says, man, if indeed we share in his sufferings, why? Because in that suffering, if you've ever suffered, what happens in that suffering? It's like the old you sloughs off and a new you emerges. You realize all those things that you were kind of like banking on or relying on are now gone. And what are you left with? It pushes your heart to say, God, I need you. God, I need everything. I, 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 I can't do this without you. God, I need you. And what suffering does is that it, it actually grows us up. And so how much of our lives is it just about making the pain go away, to get to that easy life, to get to that comfort? But a better approach is saying, God, is there anything I can get out of this pain that I'm experiencing? God, what are you saying through this? God, what, am, what are you trying to teach me through this discomfort, through this pain? Because without resistance, there's no growth. I mean, you go out to any gym, without resistance, there's no growth. If I'm just sitting there at the gym looking at the mirror with no weight in my hand, just doing this, people are like, bro, what are you doing? You're not going to grow. You might grow in your ego, looking at yourself all the time, but that's all, that's all that's growing on that mirror. Without resistance, there's no growth. Sand in the oyster makes the pearl. Diamonds under pressure, or coal under pressure makes diamonds. It's that pressure that creates value. Power is guarded by problems. Power is guarded by problems. God will deal problems to your life or allow problems to be in your life to grow you up, to test us. And that power, I mean, man, marriage problems. You know, I was married at 23. <laughs> at 23, I thought I was God's gift to the world, right? So mature. You know, I, I you know, had a lot of people say, man, you, you, you act so older. I mean, I was buying, well, that's another story, but I was buying tobacco for my buddies at seventh grade and buying booze as sophomore in high school because I look so old. Anyway, um, but anyway, so married at 23, thought I was God's gift, but, but when, you, when I got married, it's like, man, those marriage arguments, I thought I had dealt with anger in my life. I thought it was dealt with. I thought, man, life is going to be so much more beautiful at, because I handled my anger. And then the Lord gave me this wonderful woman to just live really close with. 
And uh, there were layers of the onion I didn't even know that were there uh, that first year. But power is guarded by problems. That first year, I remember, the, I thought the Christian thing was the man was to handle the finances uh, because that's the man thing to do. Um, don't do that, all right? Whoever's the best with the finances, that's who you delegate the task to. Anyway, I got us in ten grand in like consumer debt the first year. Anyway, over and over, power's guarded by problems. I didn't know how to handle money. And uh, so, anyway, so many things. God puts you in kind of some circumstances where at work, in relationships, in your own personal life, that until you press through it, you're not going to actually move on. God is very faithful to bring you around the mountain if you haven't learned that lesson yet. So, learn all the lessons you can as fast as you can because God is faithful with your development and growth. And just like any good coach or trainer, he's not going to move you on to 301 if you haven't gotten 201 down. Proper practice creates reflexes. Hebrews 5 says this, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. That's a two-by-four. Anyway, in fact, through, through this, through, let me start that over again. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who, by practice, have trained themselves to discern good and evil. Train themselves. Solid food and milk. When you came into the kingdom, God was gracious to you, gave you a lot of milk. But that milk diet isn't God's intention for the rest of your life. It is to build you up so that you can actually start eating meat, just like any child would, right? You give them the little, you give them the little rice, put a little rice stuff in that milk, and it gets a little thicker, and a little thicker, and then you can give them the little dissolvable Cheerios, and then it's kind of like, okay, we're moving along. That's the same thing God wants to do with us. He doesn't want us just eating off or drinking milk the rest of our life. He wants to grow us up in eating solid food. We all know the phrase, practice makes perfect, right? But that's not true. It's practice makes permanent. Practice what you do over and over and over again makes permanence in our life. Uh, there was one guy when I was living in Manhattan, uh, kind of the, the, the student uh, workout gym. And I was in there, and there was a guy in there I noticed. Um, he was he was 300 plus, you know, guy needed to kind of, but I was just, I was like, man, good on you for getting in here, dude. And uh, he's in there. <clears throat> and so I got to know him a little bit just to kind of, you know, knew his name, Never interacted with him outside of the gym. But he's in there for months. And it's like, nothing's really changing for George. You know, like, I, I don't know if that's, I can't remember his name. But anyway, nothing was really changing for George. And I was realizing that, man, he's in here all the time. But I'm, I never see him work out. <laughs> he's just kind of walking around, you know. He likes being in the gym. He likes being in the environment of the gym. But then one day, he's just like, man, 
after about months, he's like, man, I'm not getting anything out of this. And I'm like, well, bro, you move too slow when you work out. You need to speed up. You need to speed up. You're in here every day doing the same thing, and it's not getting anything. Practice makes permanent. So if you want any growth, man, speed up. Get a little more routine. Get more discipline. Get a little formed workout that you're following that keeps that heart rate up. Anyway, what are you practicing in your life? You practicing engaging in relational conflict? Amen. Huh? Or are you practicing kind of running away every time you face difficulty? Are you practicing good communication? Or are you kind of keeping those thoughts to yourself? Are you practicing repentance? Or are you kind of just, hey, just moving on? What are you practicing? And some of us are stuck in the same hurts because we aren't practicing the right things. So God plays everyone who's in shape. God brings you on the team. He actually wants to play you, but he plays people who are in shape. And that's just going to the gym every day with him and creating a history with God. You and him alone. No one else. No bells and whistles. No lights. God creating a history with you. Great question is, what are your destructive coping mechanisms? Your, what are your bad reflexes? When the pressure's on, when the anxiety hits, oh, what's your first go-to? What's your first go-to? Many people have some, I mean, our world has common go-tos, right? Porn, substance abuse, social media, just kind of, you know, just tune out. Netflix, work, whatever it is. There you hide away, and the enemy steals time away from you being trained by God. You just get robbed. So, let's, as God's people, let's not get robbed. Let's see this life as the training tool that it is. That God, when God kind of deals some things in our own heart, instead of just running away from it, instead of just um, feeling bad about this discomfort, it's no leaning back into the Lord saying, God, what are you doing with this? God, what are you trying to teach me? God, what are you trying to put in my heart and my mind about you, about myself, about other people, about this situation? So, we need practice. We need to practice the right things to form healthy habits in order to build a victorious life. And that's what this series is about. So, get ready for seven key training missions in the next coming weeks to help you live a victorious life. But maybe the question to kind of part t today would be, God, what am I training in? What am I practicing? God, what am I practicing today? What am I practicing that's turning now into a habit? Just a great question to ask, God. And then with the, with the prayer, God, I ask you to train me. I may have been just happy on living on milk, but now I realize that your heart for me is growth and maturity that he wants you to start eating solid food. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Lord God, Lord, if there's any God lies going on in our head about, God, that you're expecting the world to get worse and worse, 
while your church gets worse and worse. Father, that's lies straight from the pit of hell. Father, you designed your church to live in victory. God, you gave your church your Holy Spirit and your undying word, Father, as guides for our hearts throughout the generations. Father, I pray that we would not get uh, swayed by the voice of our culture uh, that would dominate or overpower your voice in our life. Lord, I thank you, God, that you've given us a conquering spirit, a conquering spirit over the kingdom of darkness. Father, I pray that you would put a new mindset on us in this next season. God, that, Lord, what we're training for is creating permanence in our life. And God, if we aren't training for growth and maturity, God, we're kind of training for immaturity. So, Father, I pray that, Lord, you would take all of our hearts and, Lord, put your coach inside of us. Lord, coach us to be your people, your sons and daughters, empowered by your spirit, known by the enemy, fueled by your word. Lord God, pray that you would take us by the hand and train us as your people in these coming weeks. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org, and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.